Hey, business building warrior, welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. This is your host, Jim. I've got a guest today who's about to join me in a couple minutes. You're going to love this guy's story. He's been on the podcast once before, about a year or so ago. Podcast episode 357 was the last time he was on the show. His name is Kang Dang. He used to run a nine-figure company. You heard that right, $100 million plus company. And he stepped away from it because it was affecting, as you'll hear today, his health, his relationships, his schedule was dominated. The business owned him, felt like he couldn't breathe. (laughs) And he wanted to step out of that. So he did, he left it behind. And he started looking for an e-commerce opportunity. He found this community, this podcast, the Proven Amazon course. He jumped in as a coaching student He explains part of that story as well. So I won't go ahead and dive into that story now. You'll hear it from him. But to jump to the good part, his second month, he sold $50,000 of product. Now, that was when COVID was kind of in full force. So a lot of our businesses spiked around then, those of us in e-commerce, and it's really never settled down since, but there was an unusual bit of a spike there right in the middle of COVID. But new habits have been established. E-commerce is exploding. You'll hear him express very excitedly today, the trajectory of this business model is going nowhere but up. He echoes my sentiment when I say there are millions of underserved listings on Amazon right now, easily sourced product that you could bring to the market and serve right alongside the other sellers who are already selling the same items very profitably. He's ramping up a system very quickly. He hopes to do $120,000 this month as we recorded this episode at around a 15 to 20% net margin with a fairly small team. He's using prep centers, which he discusses today. He's using virtual assistants, VAs. You hear us talking a lot about VAs around here, proven replins, va.com. I'll stick a link to all of this in the show notes. That's where we train virtual assistants for you that can source and help you manage your business. As a matter of fact, this replens business model, we're very quickly discovering that many, many people have outsourced to a virtual assistant virtually every aspect of the business, meaning you can do it from anywhere in the world. You can pay the people to do all the moving pieces involved, and it doesn't have to be anything that takes up a significant amount of your time. You're monitoring a business. Now, you don't start there day one, obviously, but Kang has ramped into that very quickly. His goal is to have a million-dollar month, and he states it as if it's already happened. It's just out there on the calendar somewhere that hasn't come across his desk yet. It's going to. It's inevitable, he says. It's, he's, that's the direction he's heading. So he's super determined. He's very creative. He's not afraid to change directions. He's very flexible in his approach. He, he changes tools, and he'll test new ideas. He talks today about having used lead lists, about using expensive software and trying it and dropping it and trying it again. And he even switched printers three times, he tells us today, which I thought was pretty funny. He's constantly trying to improve everything. And where he is now is a pretty impressive place with a lot of very valuable lessons to teach all of us. So I love from time to time when these top performing students pop into our Facebook group, leave an incredible post, we reach out to them and say, hey, it's been a while since we heard from you. Let's let's get an update. So here's yet another 
Replin's success story. His name is Kang Dang. And I want to point out too, this is something I point out towards the end of this episode, but as you're listening, especially if you're new, please know this. I I verified this with Kang in the episode, but you need to know this. He's not setting up new products on Amazon. He's not going out there and finding new stuff that's never been sold on Amazon. He's not doing that. He's simply doing, as I stated already in this introduction, he's simply doing the process that we teach in the Proven Amazon course, the replens model specifically. There's many modules in the Proven Amazon course. We start new sellers out with replens and you can scale very large with just that model. But all he's doing is what we teach in that model, which is finding underserved listings on Amazon, easily sourced inventory, available online, retail stores, wholesale, doesn't matter what the source is, you go find it. It's a profitable listing for you now selling alongside other Amazon sellers who are already there making a profit as well. If those ASINs start to slip of those listings as they're called in layman's term or ASIN if you're using Amazon speak, if that ASIN starts to slip, meaning the price starts to drop lower than you can confidently and comfortably sell against, well, you just move that ASIN out of your restocking list. You don't sell any more of that stuff. You sell out of it and you just go find a whole bunch more ASINs that you can sell against. And he expresses today how easy that is, how numerous and abundant the opportunity is right now. We talk a little bit about small and light program as well. If you don't know what that is, look for that segment. Basically, there is money to be made in those products that cost less than $10. Those items that you can buy for a dollar or two and you sell them for nine or $10. There's money to be made there if you understand Amazon's small and light program. And he's making a lot of money there. So enjoy today's episode. This is just neat checking in with someone who's on a great journey. Once again, I'm so proud of our coaching program. We continue to see incredible results and build these great relationships with all these great students. And a lot of them are going to be at the Proven Amazon course before I jump over and get Kang on the line. Theprovenconference.com. I said Proven Amazon course. That's not what I meant to say. The conference, theprovenconference.com in August 12th through 14th, 2022. We want you there. Come hang out with hundreds of your fellow listeners to this podcast. Great success stories like Kang and so many other students, dozens of our coaches from our team. You want to be there. Okay, so check it out, theprovenconference.com. Let us know if you have any questions about the event. Reach out to us at silentgym.com for any feedback. Let's get Kang on the show. Enough of me talking. Let's jump into his story. So welcome back, Kang. Yeah, thank you for having me back. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, we, we did a lot. We've been doing a whole bunch of stuff this last year. Just to give uh, the listeners a recap, I started back in... October, November, 2020. And um, I won't fill in the whole detail, but uh, basically found you on uh, a podcast and uh, got really interested in, in, in uh, this business. I've never done anything online before. And yeah, I, really, I just went full, full on uh, with this business. First two months of doing the business, we did uh, on our second month, we got to about 50,000 in sales. And uh, it was, uh, I would say it was um, part effort, part luck. (laughs) 
long because we started during the uh, I don't know if we it, I would say the height of the pandemic, but uh, it was it was still at, during a time when people were just you know really scared of going out and um, you know the, a lot of cities were still locked down and stuff like that. So we really got um, a huge boost in in e commerce. I mean everything that I found in a, in a grocery store essentially sold. I mean, they, I got to the point where I was, you know, I was like, do I even need to check Keepa? I mean, everything sells, right? And um, it was really, it was a, it was a good moment. Uh, you know, got a lot of momentum going, got a lot of excitement. I'm still very excited. You know, it, it did normalize a little bit after, you know, things opened up, you know, certain SKUs were a little bit, uh, you know, it, it, it normalized. I, I wouldn't say, you know, it, 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 got bad. But, you know, I mean, those who have done this, you know, during the, these times know that uh, it was it, it was a little it was easier to to, to sell during that time. Right. Um, yeah, there was definitely a, a four or five month window in there where it was easier than it had been before that time mm-hmm. or arguably to a degree since as well. Although a lot of people have established new habits. So you don't really have much of a perspective for what it was like before. I would say it's still better now than it was before as far as how easy it is to find profitable ASINs to sell against. Mm -hmm. Basically, we were coaching. I was a coaching student at that time. And uh, I had two, I would call it goals when I started. One was to sell a million dollars in 12 months. (laughs) That's quite ambitious, to be honest. But that was a goal. And and it wasn't like a hard deadline type of goal. I'm not really a hard deadline kind of guy. But it was, you know, I, I work on targets, right? I, I'm, uh, for me, what uh, gives me direction, what gives me kind of like a, a step-by-step place to go is, is having that target. So I always have a target uh, somewhere in the near future, right? That was kind of my target was to hit a million dollars in sales. And uh, the second, I would say, more important goal was to uh, learn kind of absorb as much as I could within this year. I wanted to learn everything, everything about this business. So that was the main reason I signed up for coaching. I wanted to not have to figure it out. Uh, shout out to Jessica Decker, uh, awesome coach. So we started off doing retail arbitrage and we got to a really good number. I was very happy to get to, to 50K in, in that short amount of time. Yeah, two months. But, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I went to my coach and I said, okay. And here's the thing I like about Jessica, Jessica is that she's not like one of these uh, overprotective parents. You know, you're, you're like, all right, I want to learn about fire. And she gives you a bunch of matches and say, don't burn down the house. You know, <laughs> she's, she doesn't hold anything back, which I, I, love, I love. That's a great analogy. Yeah, I love her for it. Um, so I told her, all right, retail arbitrage is working pretty good, but let's kind of break the system a little bit because I want to learn online arbitrage. I, I think I've learned everything I could about retail. Well, not everything, but a, a good amount because I was full on, you know, a full time. I was in the store. I was scanning and, you know, uh, checking, reverse sourcing. I was doing like everything, right? I got a pretty good grip on the prep and everything. I, I did everything in the beginning because that's 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 the way you need to do it to learn, right? So you need to do pretty much everything in the beginning. So I was prepping, I was uh, doing all the shopping, I was doing the replenishment, all that stuff. And so I, I went to Jessica and I said, okay, teach me online arbitrage. 
And, you know, you would think it's kind of the same, but it's actually not. There's a lot of different, um, it's just a lot of different nuances to it. You know, there, there's a lot of differences between retail and online, even with the, like the type of competition you're going to deal with, the type of uh, products that you can get into. So there, it was actually quite different. So I did that for about a month and um, I said, okay, it, it's, it's doing okay. It's pretty good. And I just did like your traditional, you know, uh, reverse sourcing, going to sites and going product by product. Right. And then uh, I said, OK, teach me the the dark side of the Internet. <laughs> teach me the teach me something else. Right. Yeah, I, I've done the online stuff. So, so teach, teach me something else about online. How can I source quicker? How can I what's the alternate means of sourcing? Right. And uh that's when she introduced me to uh, tactical arbitrage. And uh, I, I did tactical arbitrage. I watched a bunch of videos uh, wherever I could find information on how to use it. Uh, the learning curve is, is quite steep on that, pro- uh, that uh, program. And I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I canceled it four times, right? I signed up for it. I canceled it. I signed up for it. I canceled it. I hated that program because it just felt like, it felt like so much work that I might as well just source it myself, right? Like it would return, uh, you know, 20 results and uh, maybe five of them would be accurate, right? So you still have to go through a lot of listings. It's not just like a program here. Here you go. Here's 20 things and just go buy it, right? Right. So I learned that. And by the fourth time I actually signed up for it was when I kind of like really kind of got into it. I was like, okay, I I can see how I can start to play with these filters, limit my search a little bit, maybe get a little bit more accurate. And then I kind of got it. So after tactical arbitrage, I said, okay, teach me more stuff. (laughs) I want to learn more ways to source. And that's when she said, why don't you try uh, leads list? All right. And, um, I said, okay, let's, let's see what this is about. And all of these, I would say, experimentation was really not meant to build a model off of. I just wanted to experience it, right? It's like, just like retail arbitrage. I could have just kept going with retail arbitrage, but I stopped it because I wanted to learn online arbitrage. Mm-hmm. And same with these leads lists. I said, okay, let's see what it's all about. So I don't recommend a lot of people do what I did because I'm, this is kind of my personality. I, I, uh, I guess you went all in. I mean, <laughs> I, I go all in in everything I do, right. but I do it for a short amount of time, right? Just like right. the online arbitrage, just like the tactical arbitrage. I do it for a short amount of time because my point now is just to learn. I, I just want to learn. So the leads list, after I did that, I don't know anything about it. I don't know what's a good list. I don't know what's a bad list. I don't know you know, uh, what makes it good or bad or, or whatever. So I just bought a bunch of them. I bought like nine of them and I compared each one. I'd say, okay, what, why is this, what, what's the difference here? So I kind of like broke it down and say, okay, what's the difference? Why, why are these? And even then you still don't know why it's good or bad. So I just went to the list and bought everything. I just bought like two of everything. Right. Uh, I didn't want to, I mean, this, uh, again, I'm, I'm not like trying to make money here. I just bought like two of everything on the list. Don't do this. I'm, I'm seriously don't do this, but uh, <laughs> that's just how I wanted to learn. Right. So I just bought a little bit of every single item just to see how they, they go. And, you know, for by the grace of God, I didn't get suspended for doing this, but you know, <laughs> there's so many, I would say, 
landmines within those leads that experienced people who use those things would know. But me, I, I didn't know any better. So I mean, there's so many like uh, things that are like high risk of IP complaints. Right. Um, you know, you'll find stuff on the list that the brand is selling, like, you know, direct competition, right? Which is a, a big no-no for um, things that you should avoid. So I learned, I, le- I learned, I got like, you know, uh, through a period of a couple months, a good thing it didn't happen all at once, but if, if it did, I would probably been in a little bit of trouble, uh, was, you know, I started getting IP complaints, right? I started getting account health issues because I didn't know uh, what and what not to avoid. But the good thing is I do now. Right. So, right, sure. I know, yeah, I know very like it, it taught me a lot of things. It taught me, OK, how to read variations very well. Right. A lot of times you're looking, you're seeing something on a, an item. You're like, oh, wow, it's 2000 rank. This thing's got to be flying off the shelf. Right. But no, it's the other color that sells. Not this. Exactly. One, right. You learn that really well. And then I learned how to avoid account health issues very well. I mean, knock on wood, but I haven't had an, an account issue an issue in like four months. You know, so you're checking. I I would assume when you're you're talking about account, avoiding account health issues on buy lists or any other time you're sourcing for that matter, you're taking a look at who else is selling it. Is there only one seller, for example, and that's the brand owner? You don't want to go head to head with the only other seller being the brand owner because mm-hmm. they're going to make your life miserable. They're going to attempt to, and you may be able to get away with it, but it's not worth the fight. I mean, that's. 90% of the IP complaint issue avoidance strategy that you need to know right there in a nutshell. And keep yeah. it tells you these things. But how else were you guarding yourself from uh, IP complaints? What are the things you're looking for? So, I mean, some of the, the things that are taught are to read the, the seller graph on the keep it chart, right? So if you see the seller graph go from like 20 sellers and just plummets down to one, um, that's a very good indication, right? Right. But for me, even when I was doing that, that wasn't enough. The additional thing that I started doing, which is the reason I think is the main reason why I haven't had account health issues in a very long time. I used to get at least one a month. And which is normal. I mean, you know, a lot of times you can't even avoid it, but I would get at least one, one account health, health issue a month. And I haven't had one in like the last four months um, because I started implementing this extra step and use it if you like to. But it, it is the I would call it the a more conservative approach is that I also do a brand search. So let's say, for instance, you're on a, a listing with a two pack of Kleenex tissues, right? That listing looks perfectly fine. You don't see any seller drops on the Keepa chart or anything like that. It looks perfectly fine. But an additional step I do is I search Kleenex, right? I, I just type in the search bar, I type Kleenex. And I look at all the other listings. The, if the brand is selling on like Kleenex is selling on, you know, a bunch of other listings. You could spend an extra time and click on those extra lists of those other listings where they're the only seller to see if they've ever kicked anybody off. But in general, if I see the brand as an FBA seller, I just avoid it altogether. I, I just, you know, for me, there's just way too many products to buy. I don't really want to trouble myself with ASINs that may cause an issue. I mean, you know, at some point down the road. Yeah, sure. There's just so many great ASINs out there. Why waste your time yeah. on one where the brand is obviously protecting some of its ASINs, but it hasn't mm-hmm. gotten to all of them yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just stay out of it, avoid even the future fight. Yeah. Which is, I would call that an extremely conservative because I'm thinking through our list of ASINs and there's a good number of them where 
the brand doesn't like us on some of the listings, but they've let us sell on the other ASINs for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't seem to care. Yeah. Like they, they watch their new models and the new products very closely, but the older stuff, they're not worried about. You know, so mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I, but I love the fact that there's opportunity out there just in the brands that are paying zero attention to what's happening on Amazon. Oh yeah. There's hundreds there's of still, thousands of brands that fall into that category. They're everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere. There's so many. I mean, it's like we find so many products that I don't even have time to research them all. I don't have time to buy them all. And, and, and you know, mm-hmm. even going through our replenishments, you know, they're just way too much opportunity that I just rather avoid account health issues. And it's not out of fear. It's just when I get an account health issues, it just kind of puts me at a dead stop. I have to stop everything to take care of that account health issue. And I hate that, that kind of loss of momentum. It just kind of like, it just kills my, my, my mood. (laughs) Um, I I totally get it. And I know plenty of big sellers that dealing with account health issues is just part of their weekly routine. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this week we only had four IP complaints. Hey, yeah, last week we had eight. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. part of the game. You just yeah, and and I, you know you the majority shut of that the ASIN time, off. You supply the paperwork. You say, "I'm sorry, I never sell it again." You pull the inventory <laughs> back if you have to sell it on eBay. Boom, move on, next case. Mm-hmm. Whereas the new sellers, they get their first one and they're panicking and they're putting <laughs> 18 posts in the Facebook group. Right? It's like, yeah, be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's really nothing to be scared of. It's, it's, it's you know, we've gotten everything, any, any issues that we've had, we've gotten it cleared away. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the, the thing that they, um, you know, Amazon cares about the most is that you're not selling counterfeit products. Exactly. Um, Don't sell counterfeit. And, Keep mm-hmm. your receipts. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, you have good records, you should, you know, you should be fine. And, and the most important part is respond to all of those account health issues on a timely manner. Don't wait a few days. Don't, even if you're trying to go gather documentation or whatever, just respond, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the most important thing. But um, yeah, it's, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just for, for us, it's just like the opportunity is just too, too big. We, we don't want to waste yeah. our time. You don't want the distraction. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of low hanging fruit. You don't have to take the risk of playing over yeah. there and that, you know, with the pesky mosquitoes on those fruit trees over there. All right, I'll just stay over here. There's no mosquitoes, right? I, I can totally respect that approach. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about lead lists too, because some people might not know what they are and fill in the blank if I miss anything here, but I'm just going to talk through and kind of blend what you just said in with kind of my philosophy of lead lists, which we don't use. We mm-hmm. don't endorse typically ever, but we have some coaches on our team, some successful students that have a favorite lead list they do use and rely on. But my philosophy of well, what is a lead list? First, that's when someone is out there producing a list of ASINs that you could go buy. Like, hey, right now at Walmart, here's eight items you could go buy that are profitable. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And they sell this list to one, 10, 15, 100 other people. And just having seen this industry mature over the years, I know those lists get passed around. Those people who will come in all innocent and like, hey, I want to subscribe to your lead list so I can sell this stuff. And what they're really doing is starting a lead list service of their own compiling all these lead lists and selling that to other Mm -hmm. people. And so you'll find quite frequently, if you're getting these lead lists, what you're really getting is stuff that's going to tank three weeks from now. It's Mm -hmm. a list of all the ASINs that are about to tank because that list is getting passed all over the place. So for that reason, I've never gone out in front of our thousands of Amazon sellers and said, hey, here's a great lead list, guys. Because even if it's only selling to a few people, it's going to get passed around eventually. If it's on a list, Odds are it's going to tank sooner rather than later. So at the point where you're capable of combing through a list and finding the good stuff, 
you have all the skills you need to just go find your own ASINs. They're literally everywhere. Now, the model I do like, King, is this program we've got. We've had about 120 people come through now where you've got a virtual assistant that works only for you, producing you a unique lead list that no one else will ever see every morning. Now mm-hmm. that I can get behind. And that's, so, that, that, that I'm excited about. I've actually got six of those virtual assistants working on our account as of starting yesterday. It's <laughs> going through a massive database we have access to. It's going to catch fire. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's leads only we're going to see. We're not going to sell those or pass them around to a whole bunch of people that can resell those. You know, and a lot of time those lead lists too, what they'll be is everything that's on sale right now at Target. And you go look like, wow, this is an awesome ASIN. So you run to Target and you buy 15 of them and you ship them in. And as soon as yours get there, everyone else's gets there too. And it tanks. So the lead list looks great until you use it for a while. So be, use a lot of caution on those lists, I guess, is the point there. And I want to spend yeah, a little time I, talking about tactical arbitrage before we get away. But any follow-up comments on, on lead lists before we move forward? Yeah, the comment is you're, uh, you're 100% right. So um, yeah, Hey, I like we, to hear that. I don't hear that very often. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, that was one of the learning points, right? And you quickly find out that uh, everything you know, well, shows 80% ROI, but in three weeks, it's 0% ROI, right? Because everybody's on that list. And you learn that the leads list isn't really, okay, I don't want to bash leads list too much because some people, yeah. they actually know how to use it very well. And they bunny and trail the way, off of it and yeah. Yeah, the way you actually supposed to use a leads list is to use it as an idea generator, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're like, okay, this store is actually kind of good. I've never sourced this store before. Let me go see what else they have, right? And it's it's kind of like that. But we use leads list for about mm, two months, canceled all of them. Can I use any now at this point? Mm, no. Yeah. What I end up doing was um, exactly what you're saying. That we just start hiring VAs. And we're going to, uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, that's, that's quite an adventure, but <laughs> sure. so. Um, I want to hear about that. Yeah, for sure. You know, after I did the whole leads listing, I think I was like, okay, I think I learned enough about this. Um, I see the good things about it. I see the bad things about it. Um, the good thing about it, running it for about two months and, and buying a whole bunch of lists, is it actually showed me a bunch of uh, different sites that I never even knew existed. So it was more of a, a source to, to find where to buy things. Like discovering OA sources, online arbitrage mm-hmm. shopping sources and things, mm-hmm. you know, supporting good stores you'd never heard of that have a huge selection of products online that you've never heard of, yeah. guys, right? Yeah. That sort of thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So, you know, based off of that, and then it, it also, I'll give it another plus, it was that it actually exposed us to get into different categories that we didn't think about getting mm-hmm. into. Didn't ever consider selling shoes and clothes. But based on working with those things, I got into selling shoes and clothes. And I can talk about things I like and not like about that either. But, you know, we got into selling shoes and clothes. And, and after, so after the whole leads list adventure, what we did was uh, we started hiring a, a virtual assistant because there was actually, I had so many sources to buy from now because I, I, all of these, uh, these uh, online arbitrage sources 
And for me, I don't like doing redundant, repetitive things. I mean, I'm not redundant, I'm sorry. Repetitive things. Uh, things that just like scanning through websites, checking, keep it. I don't like doing that stuff. You know, for me, I always look up ways to scale. So the virtual assistance was just, uh, it was just the next step. It was just, it made sense. Um, if it's repetitive, it can be automated. If it can be automated, it can be passed on to somebody with minimal mm-hmm. skills to complete the yeah. task. Yeah. So, so look for those repetitive things in your business. Mm-hmm. You're looking for mm-hmm. places where you can begin to bring in some, get some help. Yeah, for sure. So we did, uh, so I started hiring uh, virtual assistants. I started with one, then I hired two. We have four now, but they do all my sourcing. So I, I, I don't do any sourcing nowadays. I look through their, what they find and see if I want to buy or not. I don't buy it. I don't buy products either. I, um, I outsource that too, to a buyer. And it got to the point where I was like, hmm, do I really want to do all this prep? I mean, I don't do it myself. At that time, I was already hiring someone to do all the prep work. But I was like, you know what? Let's try out prep centers. Mm-hmm. So I started using a prep center. And uh, as my usual way, I didn't do one. I hired three prep centers. <laughs> I had three different prep centers and I just sent them, uh, you know, I had two uh, virtual assistants that find, found things and the, um, based on those things that uh, they they bought, I would send it to one prep center and I would just kind of spread it around, right? I wanted to see, okay, what prep centers are good? Why are they good? Which ones are bad and why are they bad? So I did that. So I sent it to the, uh, to the prep centers and uh, we did that for a while. Man, there's so much to talk about. I don't even know how, where to go. Oh, um, this, this is great, man. I, I've got a couple of things in my head we'll re, revisit here in a minute, but you're doing great. Yeah. So a uh, good thing about prep centers, um, besides the fact that they're doing the work for you, is that um, if you do sign up for prep centers in a uh, tax-free state, you're not paying tax, which your, is your very- online good. arbitrage purchases, mm-hmm. zero tax um, buying online. Yeah. And here's another tip. Uh, I know this is not the same for every state, but uh, I'm in Texas. So technically in Texas, I can get all my sales tax back. Most states are that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to uh, just file it with the state and get all my sales tax back uh, that I pay. It takes time. It's still cash flow, right? So to be Mm -hmm. able to send it to a prep center and not have to pay cash up front, it's very good for your cash flow. What I don't like about prep centers is that you do tend to lose control. You lose control of, uh, for instance, the quality uh, check, like the quality checks. I think that it's easier to be able to manage that on your own. Although there's, you know, there's a lot of prep centers that do their, a good job, but ultimately there, there was, you know, there were errors, you know, like I would recall products back and I would find a security tag on a shoe, you know, I was like, why is the shoe getting returned three times? I would recall it back and there's a security tag on it. Right. Um, things like that. You should watch out for it. I'm, I'm not saying all prep centers do that. And there's a lot of great prep centers, but, um, you know, be, be wary. If you see a lot of returns on products or something like that, just you might want to recall that back, see how they were, you know, they recall that one unit or something, you know, see how they prepped it. And the other thing that I don't like is, you know, sometimes the costs, it, well, the cost is absolutely not in your control. I mean, you, you could sign up for one rate and maybe, you know, their operating expenses go up and all of a sudden your prep cost is double, right? That generally doesn't happen when you are running your own, you know, your own uh, warehouse, your own logistics. Yeah, um, even using a neighbor across the street. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's yeah. where I encourage most new sellers to start as they start to scale is, you know, find someone who's got some time on their hands who lives near you. You can have all your stuff dropped off or shipped there. Ideally, three or four neighbors kind of share the load. One of them goes on vacation, you still got a backup, right? 
And there's yeah. sellers, some pretty serious sellers in our community that use that model. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about the thing that the ultimate thing that I learned about this in the last year is pretty much anything works, right? It's there's, just how you just how yeah. you run it. It's anything works. Online arbitrage works. Retail arbitrage works. People who use yeah. tactical arbitrage, it works. Yeah. Everything works. It's just that Nathan and I, my coaching director, who's been with me for 18 years, 7,000 students coached. We've been saying this for over a decade now. Anytime someone comes up with a challenge in e commerce, like, well, we hit a brick wall here, guys, game over. Like, no, give us about 20 minutes to brainstorm. And if we can't come up with 20 qualified, worthy potential solutions for what you just said, Mm -hmm. we're not thinking hard enough. Yeah. Five solutions isn't enough. There's 20 different ways to do any of an, any and all of this. And that's what I love this podcast is people who have figured out all these different unique solutions and scenarios. I think of the hundreds of people I've interviewed on this show, no two people have had a similar story and approach to the way they're doing this. Either mm-hmm. one of them is working 60 hours a week and the other one's working 10 hours a week. And that's what distinguishes them. Or they're using a prep center or they aren't, or they're only OA or they're only RA or they're only you know, wholesale lists with only virtual assistants, or they do it all themselves. I mean, it's just so many different ways, but ultimately it's personality and the skill set. And some people want to keep control over all of it. Other people want it to be numbers on a piece of paper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want to check my stats once a week for 10 minutes. Yeah. Can yeah. Do that. yeah. It, it's really all, I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, how it's just however you want to run it, it works, you know? So Man, uh, I felt like that. Let me back up. Well, you think about where you want to go next. Let me back up to something we talked about. And I'll probably include it in the introduction too, to set people up a little bit to anticipation of the conversation. But tactical arbitrage, great tool for online arbitrage. It has a bit of a reputation, as you already discussed, of being very complex. A lot of people, I think, get it and then return it. Right now, we're working on, with your coach that you mentioned, Jessica, and her partner in crime, Leah, the two of them have been working on a, an incredible approach to using TA that Leah talked about in her episode. It was episode 431 of this podcast because she's working from home with a full-time job. She did half a million last year. She's gone full-time online now with her retail arbitrage business. She's expecting to do a million this year by herself, never sees or touches her inventory, uses a prep center, shopping all online, using this unique approach to tactical arbitrage that we're spelling out. And when that releases, when that course releases, we're going to have a discount for everyone on tactical arbitrage, as well as the step-by-step how to use TA in a very specific way that she's used to build her business. So we're excited to bring that out. Have you seen any of that as Jessica kind of pulled back the curtain on some of that for you yet as one of her students, I'm thinking maybe that's happened. In regards to what? Uh, what pulled the, the tactical curtain? arbitrage strategy that that, oh. uh, that Lee is using and that Jessica is hey. now helping her build the course. Just in the past couple of months, they've been working on this course. So, Yeah, actually, uh, tactical arbitrage, like I, I mentioned, I canceled it four times, but I actually ended up with uh, the subscription going. And uh, at the end of tactical arbitrage, when I finally learned how to use it properly. Uh, I taught it to a virtual assistant and <laughs> they, they all so you so you're dialed in now. Yeah. And that's where we yeah. want to get more people too. This isn't necessarily a blanket endorsement for TA. Like with Keepa, mm-hmm. you've got a blanket endorsement. Like yes, you need Keepa, you must have it. Go get it. To do the replens model, you must learn and understand Keepa. That's podcast episode 369. If you're around here, I explain why that is. Tactical arbitrage and all, literally every other tool out there, 
You're not going to get a blanket endorsement from me. This is for certain people at a certain phase wanting to take a certain approach. And there's a tedious element to it. There's a learning curve here. Mm -hmm. It's not for everyone. But like I said, we've got a great discount coming and some tremendous step-by-step training that's unique to the replens model because tactical arbitrage isn't a replens tool. It's an online arbitrage hunting tool. You can still buy a whole bunch of bad stuff if you just use tactical arbitrage. You can get a whole bunch of garbage. Like you can get all the IP complaints and all that. You need to have the replens training for this to make sense. Yeah. You know, I've tried a lot of different things as you, we've already talked about and um, technical arbitrage. I transferred that over to one uh, virtual assistant, even to this day, I'm not a huge, huge, huge fan of of that type of uh, sourcing. My by far the most favorite and effective way to find products is manual. It's just, it doesn't beat it. Nothing beats it. Um, When you say manual, manual you're talking online or retail? Anything. I mean, well, we don't do any retail arbitrage anymore, but I'll go through uh, another uh, another thing and, and basically what kind of enforce my point is after online arbitrage, I uh, made it a mission to learn wholesale. I said, okay, this is the next step. I, I've learned retail. I've learned online arbitrage. The next step is wholesale. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn it. I'm gonna do everything. So now at this point, I've already had four virtual assistants. They're cranking out all of the online purchasing, all of the things that we do. So I'm pretty much hands off. I don't do any of that anymore. I spent all of my time and energy learning wholesale, and I talked to a lot of people that know wholesale. I went to the conference. I saw Rich Potter in the hallway, and I pulled him aside. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know if he was busy or not. I'm like, Rich, let me talk to you. ProvenWholesaleSourcing.com, Rich yeah. Potter. Yeah, he's, yeah, that's he's incredible a, wholesale content. He, he's a he's a wizard. So I pulled him aside. I was like, hey, man, let me talk to you. I, let me pick your brain for a little bit. And then after I got back from the conference, I was just like, nothing existed other than wholesale for me at that point. So I did everything that I need to do. Wholesale has its ramp up period where it's not like retail arbitrage where you kind of get that um, almost immediate gratification kind of thing, you know, go buy it, send it in, you'll sell it. Right. And with wholesale, there's a lot of buildup to it. You got to, um, you know, you got to do it more methodical and more step-by-step and you have to kind of build uh, a lot of the work you're doing. You're kind of like planting seeds and waiting for it to sprout, you know, reaching out to suppliers, sending emails and, you know, following up with suppliers and, and things like that. So a lot of people, I think, get discouraged with wholesale because right. you don't you don't see it right away. Right. But after I did wholesale and, and when I say I don't see it right away, I worked wholesale hard for about six months without really seeing a whole lot coming out of it. And uh, I contacted, you know, probably thousands of suppliers, brands, you know, I like reached out to a lot of people, called, made a lot of phone calls. Some of them were saying, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll let you, you know, some were like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let you open an account, but not right now because we have supply issues. And things like that, or, or you know, call us back in three months or something like that. Or someone will let me open an account and the account will be bad, right? Like the, the products aren't profitable. Because that's the thing also with wholesales. You don't get to see the prices beforehand, right? With retail, the, the, the price tag is right on the store. You can tell if it's profitable or not, right? right? But with wholesale, you're doing all this work, sign up all these accounts. You have no idea if it's profitable or not, yeah. right? So, Getting the product list and the price list comes at the end of the process and you start finding to dig through mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. gold in there 
Yeah. And and to circle back on my 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 point previously is that we've signed up a bunch of uh, good suppliers at this point, and I know there's one way to do uh, those price lists. So you would get like, for instance, if you sign up with a distributor, sometimes they have like seventeen thousand products, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of wholesalers will actually use price scanners, like uh, these softwares out there that would scan these lists. But to me the best way to actually make those lists work and find profitable ASINs is to use manual sourcing because it's no different when you use those software. It's no different than going to a, a grocery store or a brick right. and mortar and just scanning UPC codes. That's all it's yeah. doing. Yeah, if you just rely on the barcode and say, mm-hmm. is this profitable? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. You're missing 95% of the potential of that list. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot, the of people, brand. a lot of people don't know that a UPC code is tied to that individual product. Yeah. Just but, when product. You're, but when it's a bundle, when it's a multi-pack, it has a different code, right? Yep. <laughs> so you're not going to find any of those listings by scanning it. So when we got into wholesale, so at this point right now, I'm, I'm 100% online arbitrage. Prep center is 100% because uh, I wanted to free up that time. I didn't want to run a warehouse because I wanted all my focus to be on wholesale. So uh, the the online arbitrage was kind of on autopilot at this point, well, somewhat. But I, I don't like to say like I didn't do any work, but it's it's kind of on autopilot. But after I learned wholesale and I got all of my suppliers and and it was kind of like ready to go, ready to order, uh, start you know sourcing from these lists, I pulled half of my team, my my two virtual assistants, I pulled them out. I said, okay, you're not sourcing online anymore. You're going to source these wholesales, these leads. And they started just going, you know, sourcing just like they, they would online. I used the, the software for a little bit and I was like, ah, this is not, this is not good. I, I don't like it. Like I said, it's an equivalent to scanning barcodes. So I got the manual sourcing and they find so much product. It, it's just not even funny. <laughs> They find so much product. And then we started ordering. But again, like I said, with wholesale, there are buildups to to this, right? So with wholesale, you have two options. Either use a prep center that would take wholesale type deliveries, palletized deliveries. Or uh, for us, we know that this is kind of what we want to do long term. Um, This is the model that we ended up with, was wholesale. You know, we're... We um, just went out there. We got our own warehouse. So I'm, I'm right now I'm sitting in my warehouse. It was uh, like a 3,500 square foot warehouse. And, you know, I think it's good enough for us to grow. Um, not too small, not too big, which I, at first, when we first moved in, I was like, how are we going to fill up this space? Right. <laughs> and now it's like, where do we walk? How do we walk around here? There's nowhere to walk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The space always fills up. Yeah. <laughs> So with wholesale, you know, we're doing higher volumes now. We're doing much, much higher volumes. You know, when we're doing online arbitrage, we purposely did trying, we tried to increase our average sales price uh, for each sale. We were trying to inch up more and more every day. We were getting up to like, you know, $70, $80 in, in, in average sales price because we were doing a lot of clothes and shoes and, and things like that. That was easy to do. But with wholesale, we're actually taking the opposite approach. And you'd be surprised at the results. I actually, I was a lot, a lot of the people that I talked to at the conference and a lot of people I made friends with, I kept telling them, hey, just increase your sales price. It's a lot easier to, to sell a thousand bucks when you're selling like $150 items, right? But that comes with the price, right? Especially returns. 
Every uh, return those, hurts. Yeah. Those returns hurt very bad. And the thing that hurts even more is the cash flow hit. Um, so for instance, if I sell a shoe for $200, let's say my purchase price is hundred bucks. That return, I have to wait 60 days, up to 60 days for the customer to return me that shoe for me to sell that again, right? So a lot of, you know, if you're going to get into that model, pay attention to your returns. Um, you know, uh, shoes and apparel, it's, you High know, ex- expect 15 to 20% return rate. Mm-hmm. And that really could get, uh, it starts to mess with your cash flow a little bit. So just be careful with that. Um, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not bashing any model. Every, every model works, right? So clothes and shoes are, are, are you know, it has definite pros to it, but pay attention to the cons as well. Um, so are you doing some small and light then too to offset that? So <laughs> now we're doing wholesale. I absolutely love small and light. Small and light, um, for those who don't know, are previously Amazon's uh, set a limit on small and light to be $8 or below. They just bumped it up. Um, what is it? 10 it, now, right? It's 10. It's 10 starting on the 28th. I actually have a, a, a reminder on my calendar to go check every single ASIN that now qualifies for small and light and, and, and um, put that in there. Because small and light, uh, the fees are, are way less. For comparison, for those who use, uh, for instance, RefSeller, we use RefSeller to uh, do our um, profitability uh, check for each ASIN. And there's actually a little checkbox called SNL. Right, you can check that box, and it will calculate the small and light uh, profitability. So you can play with it. You can put in eight dollar sales price, and let's say you spend a dollar fifty on that product. Right, without small and light, the profit is like nothing. Right, but you just check that box, uh, that SNL box, and all of a sudden you're making like a dollar fifty, two dollars. Right, exactly. <laughs> so we just love small and light. Um, it's kind of under the radar. People tend to avoid those products because the, the general rule of thumb, especially with new sellers is if you can't sell it for at least $15, just pass it up, especially when you're learning the ropes, just, just walk right on by it. Yeah. But as you're scaling, mm-hmm. man, there's huge advantages. Another advantage of small and light too is, King, uh, you're selling so many units now that that occasional little blip or negative hit mm-hmm. is just wiped out by hundreds of transactions flowing through your account constantly, right? Yeah. So we actually give people the advice when they're trying to recover. Let's say they maybe they have an FBM. Do you do any merchant fulfill? That doesn't sound no. like you do. No. But if you did a merchant fulfill and maybe you shipped it a day or two late, now your metrics are starting to slip, go sell 200 boxes of pencils at break even, small and light, right? Like, you're back in the game now. <laughs> so, raise so, your score. Let me give you an example of what you just said there. Is, uh, um, you know, we sell so many units nowadays that uh, we just, like um, a few, I think four months ago, we got hit with an IP complaint. I didn't even have to submit a POA, like a plan of action. They just said, check these boxes, acknowledge you'll never do it again, and you're good to go. <laughs> hey, quick interruption. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. But I want to make sure you know about The Proven Conference coming up August 12th through 14th, 2022 in Louisville, Kentucky. Join hundreds of your fellow business building warriors, the same people who listen to this podcast, the successful students you've heard interviewed, the coaches on our team. There's over 60 of them. We're all going to go, hundreds of us, to Louisville, Kentucky, August 12th through 14th. We want you there. Come hang out. Be a part of this incredible community. We've done this several times in the past. It gets better 
every single time. It's unlike any other conference you've ever been to because the stage and all the breakout sessions are comprised of the great leaders and students from our own community. We don't bring in outside experts that you could go watch on YouTube anytime you want. No, we are putting on stage the people that you'd love to meet face-to-face. It's an event unlike any you've ever attended. It will change your life. August 12th through 14th, 2022 in Louisville, Kentucky. See theprovenconference.com for details. Theprovenconference.com. There's a link in the show notes as well. Okay, let's get back to the program. I think four months ago, we got hit with an IP complaint. I didn't even have to submit a POA, like a plan of action. They just said, check these boxes, acknowledge you'll never do it again, and you're good to go. (laughs) Because you're doing so many transactions, such a higher volume. The relationship is at a different level in their system. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all got a score. Mm -hmm. They'll never tell you your score. But if you're doing a lot of transactions and higher dollar volumes, and they're making money off of you, you've got a higher score. And someone mm-hmm. say who started two months ago that they're not sure if they trust yet or not. Right. So yeah. cranking through, I would argue even at a break, even or slight loss, small and light, just cranking through and playing with it and having a whole yeah. bunch of transactions on a, you know, top ranked ASIN. It's yeah. worth your time to do that, to learn the process, to protect your account and build a hedge in there against those occasional blips in your account health where the Amazon representative who looks at your account goes, oh, wow, okay, this guy's cranking through a thousand transactions a month, let's say. Mm-hmm. That's a legitimate account. They're going to be a lot slower to penalize you than to say you're making the exact same money, but you're only selling a hundred yeah. transactions a month. Yeah, They're a little more leery of that guy. They don't know you as well, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's another argument for the small and light to investigate it in the $10 thing. Uh, so one of the advantages of being in this group is, you know, we're going to keep you on the cutting edge. There's a whole new window. I'm always saying there's millions of ASINs that are underserved. They just added on another bucket of several million <laughs> with this little change from eight to ten dollars. Exactly. There's a bunch of stuff out there, and you gave great examples too. This item that you can buy for a dollar or two that's selling for nine or ten bucks. It's time to stop ignoring those. Mm-hmm. The fees yeah. are very reasonable. Amazon's going to ship those out and handle it for you. I mean, you can ship a hundred at a time and they fly off the shelf kind of ASINs that suddenly you're making an extra a hundred, 200 bucks a day. Mm-hmm. Grabbing easily sourced products. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the great thing about these small lights are they're so cheap to, for, for people to buy. They don't buy one. They buy like five, mm-hmm. you know, they buy five at a time, 10 at a time. I have like a, this, this, this razor that, uh, you know, you shave with, right. I bought, I think I bought like 2000 of them. I sold it in a month. Right. right. I mean, you know, and you only make like, you know, 90 cents each, but I mean, that's almost $2,000 profit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Easy, uh, easy 15, 1800 bucks after net, after everything's paid for. That's great. That's beautiful. Yeah. One-time purchase. Yeah, yeah. I love it. That's a great tip. We haven't had anyone really talk about small and light in a while on the show. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, the opportunities are opening up. I mean, the the $10 thing is huge. So, so many things qualify for now, you know, if you think about it. And a lot of those, when you're prepping them too, you can just stick your, your FNSQ right on the, uh, right on the product. That's all it takes. I mean, most of our small and light is just a sticker. There's really nothing else. You don't have to poly bag it or, you know, Mm -hmm. just sticker it. 
Yeah, because they're 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 already small, so they have to be packaged in something already by the manufacturer. So it's usually right. just a, yeah, <laughs> it takes no time to prep. But yeah, we we got into wholesale, so we were we're a hundred percent wholesale now. Um, well, I wouldn't say hundred percent, like ninety ten. Like I still do a little bit of online arbitrage. I still keep the shoe thing going because you know they're they're still they're still good. I just don't buy as many as I used to, but um, I, I still do some shoes. But um, not a whole lot of anything else other than shoes for online arbitrage. We've learned so much in, in the wholesale game. We started shipping palletized uh, shipments now. We um, LTL. Actually, uh, there's one thing is that when you can build up the volume where you can ship full truckload, not LTL anymore, but ship but, uh, by the entire truck. truck right. Things just open up. Like for instance, our average. Price per pound now is about four cents. Four cents. Wow. To give some perspective, most of us are paying about 30 cents a pound Mm -hmm. if we're shipping those less than 50 pound boxes one at a time. And when you go to LTL, which is maybe a pallet or two at a time, you Mm -hmm. jump down to about uh, 15, 18 cents. Come from 30 or 40. Yeah, you can probably, yeah, sometimes you can get it down to about 10 cents. But um, now now it's shipping by a pound. Four cents a pound. And they check in way faster. So one thing some folks aren't aware of is that when you ship LTL, Amazon doesn't take appointments for anything less than FTL, right? Right. A full truck, that's the entire, That's they won't take your appointment. Mm-hmm. So when Amazon takes your two pallets, for instance, they're actually just kind of putting in the truck and driving around the country, picking up other seller stuff right. until that truck fills up, mm-hmm. Right. When that truck fills up, then you get your appointment. So that's why a lot of these people that say LTL takes forever is mm-hmm. because of that situation. Yeah, they were the first one on the small truck and now it's got mm-hmm. to drive all over the country filling up a semi and then it gets taken in. And that's when the appointment is set, once you've got exactly. a full truck. So if you're filling up a truck yourself... Next day. I mean, actually, same day. We, they pick it up at 10 or it's checked in by 5 p.m. Same day. How many, um, times, how many times a month are you filling a truck? We do it about uh, two and a half weeks. We, we, we fill up a truck. Um, Every two and, a half and the thing about so. the full truck is you don't actually have to fill up the whole entire truck. Right? You just have to pay for the You can book truck. a truck with, uh, you know, 12, 13 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why we love wholesale. And these, especially getting into these small lights, the shipping is basically free. I mean, I, 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 mean, I don't even consider four cents cost yeah. anymore. It's, it's like free, right. you know? And... Just imagine if I did fill up the entire truck, it's going to get even cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I don't even think I can calculate by the pound anymore. I have to probably calculate by the unit at that point. And it just opens up so many doors. There's a lot of products, like for instance, when we got away from retail arbitrage, uh, we were doing a, a, almost like 90% groceries. And we love groceries, but we didn't like sending groceries a uh, small parcel, like U, um, UPS boxes, because groceries tend to be heavy and bulky, right? A box of cereal is way heavier than a lipstick, right? So we didn't like how much cost we were eating away from, you know, just shipping. You know, we were spending so much money on just shipping. Um, So we got away from groceries, got into other categories like beauty, you know, um, shampoo, things like that, um, that had a higher average sales value and uh, generally are, are lighter. Um, like, you know, like I said, a, a, little, a little mascara sells for like uh, $35. It's the size of my finger, right? So we didn't pay for much for shipping. But now when I do LTL or freight, I should say, 
I love groceries. I absolutely love groceries. We we're heavy, heavy in the grocery category because with the groceries, bulkiness, the bulkiness act- doesn't matter anymore. Give me an example of a bigger, bulkier grocery item that you're now excited to sell that you would have shied away from. Oh, look, we're selling six packs of beans, cans of beans. You know, we're selling, you know, a 12 pack of uh, soup. You know, you're um, selling like a lot of heavy, heavy stuff. You and know, you're I, profitable at a lower sell price than the other FBA sellers because absolutely. shipping is so punitive. Absolutely. 30 cents I mean, a pound yeah. is a lot to absorb. Mm-hmm. I mean, a 12, uh, like a 12 pack of soup, let's say for instance, a pound each, that's 12 pounds. I mean, you're, you're paying, you know, 30 cents. I mean, we're, <laughs> that takes away a lot of your profit, right? Yeah, there's three or four uh, bucks gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now we just absolutely love groceries. And the thing I love the most about it is the just, I mean, it's virtually zero returns, right? It's, uh, right. It, you do have returns, but that's only because if the customer didn't get it or they complain, oh, it got here too late or the product was damaged or something like that. That's the only time we'll get a return. But we, we average about 1% return rate uh, with groceries compared to, to 15 to 20% return rate with shoes, right? It just makes a huge difference in our financials. Uh, I, I would, I, I hate it when I looked at my financials and I was like, "Oh yeah, I sold a hundred thousand last month," but oh, I actually sold eighty-five because fifteen percent of it was returned. Returns, <laughs> yeah, those hurt. But that's just a reality of retail. I mean, yeah. there's there's little you can do to get away from that entirely. Just yeah. kind of absorb it. Yeah, which is why you know, like that's why we're so heavy in groceries nowadays. So because it just keeps our numbers where we thought it would be, right? So we do a lot of that. We still are heavy, heavy into like the, you know, health and like the health stuff, like deodorant and things like that, uh, little hairpins or whatever. And we, we go after like really light stuff too. It's just ramping up. It's just, it's just amazing. Like we, we, we barely, like, this is our third truck. In fact, we, tomorrow we have 17 pallets going out and, you know, this is only our third truck. So we haven't even witnessed like all of the sales, right? Because with Amazon, you know, you could buy, you know, $10,000 worth of goods, you send it in, you won't see all of that sales for like a month, right? Yeah, it takes, it takes time. time. There's a delay. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, this delayed gratification, right? Yeah. But already we see, um, this is how we've been gauging whether or not what we're doing is successful is that, you know, we're, we're starting to see our daily average climb by a lot. Like we were, you know, we were in like 2000 a day, 2,500 a day ish. And ever since doing the wholesale and sending these in, you know, our average is climbing, you know, from 25 to 3,000, 35. Now we're at $4,000, you know, average daily. Beautiful. What's your overall net margin right now, approximately? Let's see. Depending on the month, uh, it fluctuates, but, you know, depending on what we sell, again, the, I we still sell shoes one day, maybe I'll, I'll, be done with shoes. <laughs> the months that we sell a lot of shoes and get a lot of return, we might be around like a 15 net. Months that we sell wholesale mainly, uh, we're around hovering around 20, 18, 20% net. And we expect this month to be around $120,000 in sales. And it just keeps climbing. It's just the, the stability of replenishable products is just it's just beautiful. You know, with shoes, we'll see spikes, you know, we'll see days where we'll sell like $6,000 a day. We'll sell two, you know, Um, they just spike. They're just very spiky. You know, you look at your chart and you're like, okay, what happened today? (laughs) What's your goal for 2022 as we're sitting here in the past the middle of April, 
2022. What what are you looking at? You're, I know you're a goal guy. So it took us 15 months to get to a trailing 12 months of a million dollars. So we sold a million dollars in 15 months. Well, yeah, we sold more than a million dollars in 15 months, but to get that trailing 12, trailing million, right? Yeah. It took us 15 months. So we are, I mean, it's hard to even predict what we're going to end up with this this year because it just keeps climbing. I mean, every month we're adding another, you know, 20%. Uh, last month was 100. This month is going to be at least 120. And we just keep sending products. They're very profitable. They do well. They sell extremely fast. And, you know, who knows? Maybe next month there'll be 140, 150. So it's very hard to actually gauge what we're going to end up with this this year. I would be very happy to end up at 2 million um, this year. And we'll see where it goes from there. I do have a very aggressive target, but that's kind of like, uh, I would say it's like not any, it's not going to happen anytime soon, but ultimately I'd love to sell a million a month. That's what uh, I'd love. You can get there, man. You can yeah. get there. There's people yeah. doing it with this model. <laughs> to be honest, I, I tell my wife this, I was like, you know, there are people selling a million dollars a day, you know, for me to, to ask for a million dollars a month, I'm, I don't think it's, you know, it's that big of a thing. In fact, I know retail arbitrage and online arbitrage people that sell $2 million a month. So. Right. Right. Doing it the, the way that you started out doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, every model works, yeah. right? It just yep. every direction works. you want to go. One thing yeah. I want to make sure and point out to the listeners here. And clarify if this isn't a correct statement, but I'm Mm -hmm. fairly confident what I'm about to say is accurate with you. You're not setting up new listings on Amazon, are you? No, no. We're just going through and finding underserved ASINs that are already selling well with a good-looking Keepa chart, looking at the history. Other sellers are already selling all these items. And you're saying, hey, make room, guys. One more seller coming in the picture. Yeah. That's the model. How yeah, many ASINs would you say you have like active right now? Oh man, it keeps growing. I don't know, uh, 1,500 maybe? It just I would have guessed growing. a little higher than that. That's a nice tight Yeah, It sounds to me like you're pretty good at dropping the, uh, dropping the bad eggs. What we do is when we start to see a listing tank, what we do is we just close the listing and yeah. uh, have a little reminder to check afterwards. But, you know, we just, uh, you know, now with, uh, everything that we put in place, we just find so much. There's just so many. There's just so many. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. I mean, you were running for context. People may not go back and listen to the first episode, but you were running an eight-figure business that was dominating your schedule. Isn't that right? Is that the right number? Eight-figure? Shortchanging me one digit. <laughs> you were running. You were running a hundred million dollar business. With a thousand moving parts that relied on you and it was running you ragged. So I just, one more um, time, I know we did this in the last episode. Sorry to shortchange you a digit there. One little (laughs) common zero, man. What's the big deal? I'm just giving you a hard time. No, no, that's okay. Thanks for correcting me because I did it it in the other episode too, if I remember correctly. It's been a year ago. I was like, really? A hundred million dollar business? That's great. But you stepped out of that. It was dominating your life and your schedule into this. So contrast again, that to this, your excitement level, your motivation level, just talk us through, man. You're two years in or so into this journey now. What contrast? Um, I mean, you wouldn't even, I don't even know how to describe it. And it's like, you know, this might sound like, like a, such a small thing, right. But 
like even my parents and and my sister at first they were like oh man I kind of feel bad for him you know he used to go to work all shiny looking wearing like buttoned up shirts and and you know like you know just looked spiffy right and now I'm like going to work in a t-shirt and in you know gym shorts and you know and they, they kind of felt bad for me for a second. They're like, are you doing okay? They keep checking on me for every once in a while. And I'm like, you, you, yeah, you doing okay? And, you know, at first I just kind of like, you know, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, I, I didn't really elaborate too much. But then I told them, like, listen, <laughs> you don't understand. The power and the freedom to wear whatever I want to work is not a bad thing, Right. Like me, I couldn't show up in shorts and a t-shirt back then at running this corporate company with a, you know, a hundred plus employees. I couldn't do that. Maybe on a Friday, you know, uh, where everybody's dressed down, but I can do that every day. You know, like I can do, I can do whatever I want. I mean, like the other day, my kids had a, a day off school. We just went out and ate lunch and then played in the park and stuff like that. Right. And it's like my, the level of freedom that I have now is what I wanted, you know, um, all along the business before, I mean, sure. It was making money. Yeah. It was great. And a lot of people think of you, are you crazy. You drop you, you. I mean, I didn't drop it like a rock, right. I sold it. I mean, I, I made out pretty well, but you know, people were like, you know, are we work, you know, you would think you would work so hard just to get to that moment to, to, to own a business like that. But there's a trade-off, you know, there's, there, there's a trade-off for, for going that big, and, you know, I mean, just look at Elon Musk. He doesn't look like a happy guy, right? He's sleeping in the factory. He complains about it, you know? That's a great yeah. point. That's yeah, a great I mean, point. I yeah, mean, you got to pay for, for these things, right? There, so, is a, uh, there is a date on all of our calendars that we don't know when it is, when everything we've accumulated kind of stops mattering, you know? We're on the mm-hmm. other side now. What are you going to do between now and then besides just try to maximize your income? You know, mm-hmm. and, and you're a guy who's considered that. I want to have time with my kids. I want to wake up looking forward to the day and maybe sleep in some and not have to wear a suit and tie and look like a million bucks every day to impress a hundred people in a big building. You know, like those are very valid decisions and you made. And I, I just love, Kang, I just feel like I could listen to you for three or four more hours to kind of truly get to the root of what's inside of this guy that's capable of stepping away from a hundred million dollar business. Now you admit in that first, that other episode, you said, I mean, it was if I remember correctly, it was driving you into the ground. It was driving you crazy. You know, the money's good, but not mm-hmm. that good that you could just like justify driving yourself crazy and ruining your health and your relationships, right? <laughs> I was buried in it. I mean, my health was getting affected. There's no amount of money worth that. Yeah, I was stressed out all the time. It was, it's also a good thing to, to reach to that point where, you know, I'm good. You know, like, my, like money... I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but I have enough, right? Mm-hmm. I have enough money. So, you know, I'm not in a, you know, I don't drive Ferraris and, and things like that. You know, I have a fairly low key lifestyle. I do have a nice house. I'm not going to lie, but, um, but that's it. You know, I don't buy expensive things. I don't wear expensive watches. You know, I'm a very low key guy. So it doesn't take a whole lot to, to just, just live. Right. But the thing is, I don't want to say say that in contrast where Amazon or online, I should say, is a bad opportunity. I'm making a killing right now, right? I'm making a lot of money right now with the freedoms that I have. And then not only that, the thing that excites me the most 
is getting to a million dollars. I feel like I just kind of like climbed a little, little hill. Right? <laughs> I'm kind of like at the foot of the mountain now where I can start climbing. I haven't done anything yet. Right. I mean, you're thinking about, whoa, he sold a million dollars. That's nothing. Right. The, the opportunity in, in e-commerce is just so massive. It's just where do you want to take it? Right. And I, I've just like I'm so excited and grateful, more grateful than excited that I was able to do this. And, you know, I tell, you know, I tell the, the worriers, not warriors, but worriers, the people right. who worry about me, my parents or, or my, my sister, I was like, look, I'm not doing bad. I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. You know, sent them pictures of this truck going out with 17 pounds. I'm not doing bad. Right? Right. Um, so, um, and you're just getting started. I you, just got there's started. There's a hundred ways you could scale this thing without inconveniencing you. Without yeah. adding yeah, more hours to your day, without adding new stress points of responsibility to your schedule. Yeah. And there's so many streams of income that can come from this. I mean, a lot of people, they open prep centers, you know, they're building software as a service. They're doing all kinds of stuff, right? That's right. And there's just so many opportunities. You know, I, for for me, you know, I, I have that, I'm, I'm like a bull. I, I see that target and I just, I just focus and I go laser focus on it. So that million a month is coming. And when I get there, that's when I, I, I do have plans to kind of diversify out. Uh, who knows, my, maybe I'll do a prep service or prep center service, who knows? Um, I'm learning so much about logistics ever since doing wholesale, optimizing our warehouse, playing with a bunch of different softwares. I switched four different repricers during this time <laughs> just to learn. I like, that's my style. I, I, I switched four different repricers. Oh, Aura's working great. Oh, let's kill it. Let's switch to something else. See what's good and what's bad about it. Yeah, and, you're constantly setting baselines. Are, yeah. you, are you a pretty data-driven guy? I am. I am. Yeah. I track so everything. you're split testing and, and setting baselines and trying to improve on what's already working versus mm-hmm. the, the you're the opposite of if it ain't broke, let's not try to fix it. You're the opposite. Like it's fixed. <laughs> let's try to break it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's try to break it and make it better. Right. Let's exactly. Better right. Uh, let's try to I improve do it all the time. I do that all the time. You know, I, I've rearranged my warehouse a few times already. I've switched like even down to like the label printer. I've switched label printers like a couple of times I went from Dymo to Rolo to Zebra. I mean, you know, I'm always testing out new things to see where we can, we can optimize. And I've ditched inventory labs. That's the biggest thing that I did to, to try out another software that uh, so far has increased our productivity about 50%. So we're prepping about 50% cheaper just with this one change. Right. So, I mean, I'm always doing stuff like that. It's, it's crazy. It's like, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people cringe at hearing this stuff, but you know, I, that's just, that's just me. And, uh, in the process, I've learned so much. I've learned so much. And like in, I think in a comment I made in that Facebook group, I learned about three years worth of knowledge in a year. I've learned so much. Yeah. Oh, more than that. I would say there's people who've been doing this five, six, eight years that haven't been on the journey you've been on. It's, <laughs> it's personality determination and, uh, you've got a drive that's rare, but it shows what's possible. I, that's what I love about doing this podcast episode is I'm challenged by every guest who's expanded further faster than I could have in one area or the other, or in a case like you, further faster than most of us in most areas. <laughs> and it's just to see what's possible. The decision we're left being exposed to someone like you, King, is 
not can I do what he did? It's could I be doing more than I'm doing? And I think the answer is a resounding yes in almost all cases. Like, look what this guy's doing with, he came in cold and you were hitting, uh, what was it? Your $50,000 in month, was it two? Month two. Yeah. <laughs> and now well, you're talking about little, the I got a little COVID help with that one. I mean. Oh, absolutely. Know. The timing, you know, was good. But, you know, you didn't say, well, I guess that ride's over. You know, you've, you've ramped up from there. Uh, and you've yeah. transitioned to the different models. This has been like a little tour of what's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't know how you cannot get excited about this, right? I mean, just like every day I wake up and and uh, people, you know, people, again, people around me, they look at me and they're like, oh, I feel so bad for him. He's always working, you know? He's always working. He's always on his phone. He's always learning something, thinking about something, watching a pot, uh, listening to a podcast, always doing something. And I'm like, I'm not ever working. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, this is just... I'm so excited, like, like to learn something new, to, to try something new, the relationships that I'm making. I mean, I'm, I'm reaching out to people that are way, way ahead of me. And, and I'm a lot of times I'm like, oh, I know a lot. And then I talk to some of these advanced sellers. I ask them, I know nothing. I don't know anything. Yeah. Right? There's always another level. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, you, when you are able to talk to, you know, a hundred million dollar seller, your perspective changes a lot, right? You know, we, we, you know, that we're always out there to build new relationships, meet great people. And, and we just, we just learn, just continuously um, learn, you know, um, and that's the most exciting part. Um, I think, you know, if the, the day, not if, but when the day that I get to a million a month, I'm not even going to be all that excited about it. You know, it's really the journey of growing to that point that is really all that exciting for me. It's always that growth that is just so fun. It reminds me of uh, what Jim Rohn says. I won't hit it exactly, but he he says something like the, the benefit of becoming a millionaire isn't that you now have a million dollar net worth. He said, that's nice, of course. But the journey of going from where you are now to being that person mm. is an incredible journey. You're going to have to grow and strengthen yourself in ways you haven't imagined and learn things and stretch yourself. And that person is a different, better version of you. So that journey is is as valuable, if not more so, than the money you're going to have at your disposal. The money is almost a consequence of becoming that person. A hundred percent. Right? A leadership journey, which is what I see you on. I know you appreciate that. Having run a large company and seeing the different ways that you can lead in business, there's different... And that's, that's what appeals to me. I started with the premise 20 years ago of, I don't care what the world has to offer me on a sheet of paper with a bunch of commas and zeros. If it means me getting up the first thing in the morning without seeing my family and leaving the house and coming home after they're all done with their day and tired. And here I am walking in last. There's no number of commas and zeros that that's okay. Yeah. So how can I maximize from home with flexibility, my leadership in business, e-commerce, came on the scene. It was eBay up until about 12 years ago. Then it became Amazon as the obvious choice. And that's mm-hmm. where I've been teaching it, doing it, learning it, expanding into multiple income streams but with ultimate flexibility. The door of my office right there leads out to where my family is and they can come mm-hmm. in anytime. As long as that door right there is not shut, which is 95% of the time, unless I'm doing a podcast with Kang, <laughs> that door is <laughs> open. And we come and go. I mean, I live my life right here doing 
life with my family nearby and like a couple of my kids in my warehouse every day. I, I couldn't yeah. be more blessed. You could add some commas and zeros to my bank account maybe, but I wouldn't be any more blessed than I am right now. I mean, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm as excited about e-commerce as I was 20 years ago when I got into this. It's just so expansive. Yeah. And, and that was what I was missing. You know, I had a very successful business, but I was essentially employed, except I was the employer and the employee. I was just stuck in that business, right? Your business owned and, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it owned me. And that was what I was missing. So it's not all, I mean, really at the end of the day, money doesn't matter all that much. Like the, the you know, getting into this business is what I really found what the real blessing of, of running your business is, is, is that the ultimate flexibility, the control in which you, how you want to run your life day to day, that is the, I mean, that we're so blessed. <laughs> I don't even know how much to say. We are. We we are. are. So you're, you're putting it very well. And I think you're really challenging a lot of folks too, with the way you approach this, uh, which, which is so at the heart of what I want this podcast to be about, not just how to make more money, but mm-hmm. how to have that life of liberty that's needed so you can have that relationship with your spouse that we all should have and with your kids and you can be the kind of person you want to be and wear shorts when you want to wear shorts. <laughs> it's yeah. like that that means a lot. Yeah. The kind of regrets yeah. people have on their deathbed don't have to do with man, I wish I had more money in my bank account right now. Mm. It's, no, and, and a good a good question, I mean a, a good way to answer that is if you I mean, how old is Warren Buffett right now? He's like 90, right? Or something like that. Yeah. If you if you were given a choice to trade places, Warren Buffett to have all his money and his his wealth and power and be and his be age. ninety years old, would you do it? You no know? way. Yeah, exactly. So unless, unless I'm ninety eight, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're ninety eight, that's a good trade, I guess. <laughs> but um, that that's kind of the point, right? It's it's not really all about money. It's it's how you spend your time here, and it's it's um. That doesn't mean I don't work hard. Uh, I work very hard. Um, I, I appreciate that in you because mm-hmm. you see some people use that as an excuse to go paint on the street corner every day and mm-hmm. you know beg for food and call that the, their dream life. Like, no, I'm not sure I want to be that guy either. Destroy yeah. all your relationships and do what I love. No. That's not what we're saying. Mm-mm. Saying yeah. having the liberty to, to pour into those rela- those meaningful relationships and build something special, serving others well at the heart of it, which is what you're doing with your business. Yeah, yeah. this has been a great episode. I know you've got a break coming up here. You gave me the time ahead of time. We're we're closing in on that, but this has been a really good episode, buddy. I appreciate hanging out with you, and I love when you stop in the group and give us your screenshots and your updates and your encouragement. <laughs> that means a lot. And uh, we talked before we hit the record button today that you're not sure about coming in August. You're hoping to come. I want you there, man. Whatever I can do. If I got, <laughs> if we got to send a car to get you there, we want you there. I'd love to maybe even get you in a breakout session or something if you're up for it and just kind of share, you know, because by the time this podcast episode comes out, there's going to be plenty of people that want to come up and shake your hand, hug your neck, tell you how meaningful this conversation was today. And uh, I, I'd love to have you there for that. I think, you know, there's a good chance. There's a good chance we're going to be there. I'm not saying that we're not, but, you know, there's a good chance. I just can't overcommit yet because there is one thing I need to clear off my calendar. And if Little I can, conflict. I'll definitely be there. But um, I got you, man. We'd love to have you there in August. Theprovenconference.com. Hundreds of people from our community, your fellow listeners to this podcast are going to be there. Kang's going to be there too. He just doesn't know it yet. So (laughs) (laughs) it was truly great hanging out with you today, man. Anything else that's on your list that you need to uh, get off your mind or wanted to get off your chest before we start to wrap this one up? I don't want to cut you off (laughs) prematurely here. Uh, no, I mean, I guess just one last thing is, uh, if you haven't gotten the message yet is, uh, don't be afraid to fail, Mm. fail fast. I failed a lot. 
I failed with leads list. I failed with tactical. I failed with a lot of things. And the, the key point is, you know, when you fail, the most valuable thing about failing is the lesson. So don't, uh, don't be all down on yourself. Oh, I'm dumb. I mean, I can't make it work or whatever. You know, the, the difference between a more successful person than you is that they just failed more than you. That's yeah. It. The, Jim Rohn again, focus on the loss or focus on the lesson. It's a choice you make every time. So if mm-hmm. you get good at focusing on the lesson, you can fail frequently, especially if it doesn't cost you a lot. With this business model, failing means losing five or 10 bucks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you want to be failing a lot. It's, it's, and then you're going to learn fast. You're going to yeah. I mean, my failures have been financially positive usually, but it's just not, it didn't go the way I thought it would, you know? Um, yeah. and, um, you know, I'm getting a poster on my wall. I'm big on like, uh, like motivational. motivational stuff. And I saw one I really like, and it says that uh, smooth, uh, smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. Right. That's so good. Yeah. Who said that? Do you know who that, where that's from? Or I have no idea. I just saw it. I'm didn't. buying that. <laughs> I've seen that before yeah, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I think that, you know, to bring a spiritual message to that, God uses those challenges. I mean, it's all throughout Christian, biblical, Judeo-Christian ethic and scriptures. If you're not, if you're not being challenged, you're not being strengthened and sharpened. And, that, and that's painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> being pounded on hurts mm-hmm. who you become in the process. And for some reason, we don't want to do that in in business, we think, and oh, no, I just want it to be kind of easy. I just want to spend a few hours and make some money. Like, no, it's it, it's a leadership journey. You yeah. know, you're misunderstood, challenged, things aren't going to turn out as expected. You're going to be surprised. There's no business model out there that that doesn't have those elements. So just get ready to be a better person and grow through that. Mm-hmm. Keep trying, keep failing forward. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not good at the motivational stuff. I mean, I, I'm good at applying to myself. For some reason, when I try to push on other people, I just feel like I'm invading. So I don't do a whole lot of it, but. <laughs> Um, well, you got me for that. So, you know. Yeah, I'll let you do I'll that for you. Man. Motivational speaker, the Proven Conference 2022. <laughs> no. Hang dang. All right, buddy, get us fired up, man. I got you on the billing, 9 a.m. day one. Let's go. <laughs> no, it's a, a pleasure. Maybe, Truly maybe a, a pleasure hanging crowd. out with you, man. You know, What's that? I, maybe a small crowd. I'll do it in front of like 10 people or something. <laughs> oh, they, no, you'll get, you'll get it. Every, no, you're, you're going to be one of those guys everybody wants to talk to. And that happens so often. And, and by the way, if your inbox starts blowing up from people wanting just a few minutes of your time, just send it our way. I mean, respond if you'd like, but these episodes are getting a lot of views and listens these days. So apologize. No, in advance if you're, <laughs> if you're inbox I'm always open up. to help. You know, I didn't learn all this on my own, you know, so it's, you know, I'm always open to giving back. So Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe Absolutely. we need to get you on the leadership team in some way at some point for sure. Maybe a higher end coach or something, and and uh, you know some of those some of those new territories you're you're advancing into. We'd all sure love to learn the lessons you're learning before we have to figure them out on our own. So, well <laughs> done, man. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wrap this one up. Thanks again, Kang. <laughs> Did a great job, buddy. Very, very great conversation. I think a lot of people will benefit from this. But to the listeners who hung out today, I know you got your money's worth. <laughs> This is, I mean, even though it's free, you gave us a very valuable asset, some of your time. And that means a lot. I'm appreciative of that. I think we gave you a lot back in return and challenged you. And if you feel a little uncomfortable, like, man, what's he got that I don't? Nothing. Maybe a little more determination, maybe a little more drive, maybe a little more, maybe a little less fear of failing, maybe a little less fear of looking silly, asking silly questions, you know, maybe those things. But that's it. King is a down-to-earth guy. And I think he just uh, convinced all of us, if you weren't convinced, that this is doable. What, what are you waiting on? The model works. 
So hopefully you're going to take all that and go do something with it. Encourage yourself forward. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, hey, I've got a cool story too. I'd love to have you as a guest on the podcast. Just drop me a line. You can go to silentgym.com, check out, uh, look for the contact information there. Reach out. We'd love to share your story. If you do, don't mind doing us a favor, the only marketing budget we have for this show is when people share word of mouth and tell friends about the show. So please do that for us. If you don't mind, send a friend or two a link to this episode and say, hey, you need to listen to this. What do you think? That's our marketing effort. So you're part of it. We appreciate you doing that. May God bless all the business building warriors. I'll have another great episode again for you very soon. Until then, keep fighting forward. We're in your corner. We got your back. Hey, join our Facebook group if you're not in there yet. 70,000 great people. Kang's one of 70,000 people in our Facebook group. Hanging out all day, every day. Maybe that's a good last tip to end on. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening today. One last thing before we wrap up, a quick reminder. Now that this episode is over, get over to theprovenconference.com and get your tickets for the event coming up August 12th through 14th, 2022. Your fellow listeners to this show are going to be there. Successful students that you've heard interviewed on this podcast, they're going to be there. Over 60 coaches from our team, they're going to be there. This is an incredible event. You cannot afford to miss it. It's an incredible investment in the future success of not just your business, but those vital relationships that you need. We talk about all the time. This will propel your life and your business forward. You're going to benefit tremendously from this. Do not miss this opportunity. We've done it multiple times in the past. Over 98% of all attendees say, yes, I'm coming back. The event gets bigger and better every single time. Theprovenconference.com. There's a link in the show notes. We want you to be there. Do not miss this. We'll see you there. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.